Hey, you guys, this is Annie from the editing booth, a.k.a. my couch. Uh, The first two and a half minutes or so of the episode, I was attached to the wrong microphone. So basically, it's terrible audio the first two and a half minutes on my end. And it is kind of hard to listen to, but I promise that two and a half minutes it gets fixed and the rest of the time it's smooth sailing. So thanks for listening. Hope you enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to Are We Forcing It, our Star Wars-based podcast where we talk about books, movies, and films, and news. We'll get it right one day. I'm Annie. I'm Mary Ann. And this week we are starting a new book for our book club segment. We're talking about episode nine. And there's not a ton of Star Wars news, but I did watch Rogue One and I have some thoughts before we do, before we talk about Andor, but... Anyway, I mean, I, I'd seen it before, but there's just something about watching it while watching Andor. Anyway, so Star Wars news, um, suppose, it's all supposedly. It's a lot of speculation, right? yeah. It's a lot yeah, of speculation. I think they're holding off on official stuff just because Andor's still running and Tales of the Jedi is very fresh. But I have seen a lot more of the more favorable reviews come out in the last few days of it. Um, I think people are watching it to you know, multiple times and catching them right. up. So, makes sense. By the way, we do have a bonus episode of our thoughts on Tales of the Jedi, if you haven't listened to it, available on this, I don't know how you call it, feed? What is that called? Spotify playlist? I don't know. Um, We have one. Go watch it. (laughs) Or don't watch it because it's an audio. Okay, we're done. Moving on. So, God. I know. I'm sorry. It's because we didn't record on our normal day, guys, because I wasn't feeling good. so we're kind of a little off tonight, but it's okay. We're going to get back in the rhythm. So supposedly the Mandalorian season three will be premiering on February 22nd. And we supposedly might have a trailer for it in December. Yes. But uh, we don't trust the trailer news ever since the Kenobi incident of Disney Prime Day 2021. Yes. So we, uh, yeah. That's kind of about it, though. Oh, and you said something about the Acolyte. You sound very tinny, by the way. Okay, one sec. I'm going to switch out um, my headphones real quick. Okay, hello? Oh, much better. Okay, yeah. So what happened was I decided to try to record with my headphones that have the microphone on them. Earlier, when I recorded our ad, I turned off the headphones microphone and turned on my podcast microphone. But me did not allow me to switch the microphone. So I just went and got my dinky little headphones instead. But now we're back to the podcast. Oh, much better. It was like hurting my ears. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> anyway, but we're all good now. One more Yay. thing. Yes. Anyway, you said something about the Acolyte is going on. Uh, yeah, so they casted a new, they've added, um, they've added more to the cast of the Acolyte. And those who don't know what the Acolyte is supposed to be um it's supposed to be a series um and it's supposed to take place at the end of the high republic and it's supposed to be about the sith i think it's like a sith acolyte it'll Um, be live action yes first live action of the high republic fascinating Um, the main characters played by amandala stenberg they were um if you don't know them, they were uh, Rue, I believe, from um, Hunger Games. If you ever watched the Hunger Games, I believe that was them. Yeah. Uh, 
So it's supposed to, um, yeah, it's supposed to be like the emerging dark side powers in the final days of the High Republic era. It's supposed to take place around like 132 BBY. So yeah, so they just recently announced a new um, cast member. And I had their name, but I don't remember anymore. But anyways, it's starring Amanda Stenberg, which I'm pretty sure they were in... Um, Hunger Games. That's at least that's what I am yes. Anyways. She is they 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 Google is saying her pronouns are she her. I think they're she they. Oh. Oh yeah, she uses both she her and they them. She they uh Rue from the Hunger Games. Yes. Okay. That's basically all the Star Wars news this week. Um I'm assuming we will have more because they'll probably be announcing some after uh I have a feeling end. around I'm a feeling around Christmas is where we're gonna start getting some more stuff because um the bad batch comes out January 4th and oh oh yeah speaking of which some news came out about the bad batch um the Kiner brothers went on a podcast a couple nights ago and were asked to describe the music for the season two in one word and they said fucking sad. <laughs> No, and I'm just like, news. oh, come That's on. very bad. I'm just like, please If no. there's a scene. So. Uh, will Echo so, find out what happened to Fox? I, I know. Will he find out? So here's, here's what happened. Okay. So somebody had watched the live stream and took notes. And this is what it says. Just finished TBB season two finale when starting, when they started on the Tales of the Jedi. Um, there's an interesting approach, took a left turn. It's different from previous stuff. Um, whole album content for SIDS created during COVID lockdown. I don't know what that means. Uh, we'll be getting a really great moment with Cody. Dean personally, one of the brothers, well, Dean personally Cody. loves that episode with Cody. Episode goes some interesting places with characters, including Cody. Been told interesting facts about characters to know how they progress. Describe the score for The Bad Batch Season 2 with one word, eclectic, epic, and sad. Wildly different episodes. Talk about eclectic, holy shit, they're doing what, what? Uh, it's not going to be what you expect. Parentheses concerning sad. Going to be a good time. You're going to like it. Whole show's going to be a good time. And I'm like, oh my well, God. Well, that's kind of what Season 1 was. I mean... I'm, it, I'm not ready. But this was from uh, at Mrs. Underscore Charlie. They were kind enough to take notes and share them on Twitter. And I'm just like, okay, I'm not, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Because like, remember, so um, apparently Cody was supposed to be in Obi-Wan Kenobi, but that got scrapped. And then Bad Batch got pushed back. My theory is that something happens to Cody in the Bad Batch, and that's why he got taken out of obi-wan that's my theory anyways huh yeah well he said sad especially one episode with cody and i was like so cody's gonna die then <laughs> like yeah, that's probably. how that's how i feel yeah i'm not like, now i'm preparing for emotional turmoil we'll be getting a really great moment with cody dean personally loves the episode with cody episode goes into an interesting places with characters including cody i'm like what is happening to cody i swear to god dave filoni <laughs> I feel like um, I think Carrie Beck's running the show. I could be wrong. Okay, but, whoever's um, running this fucking show, if you are going to 
listen. break our hearts. Listen, I'm not. Uh. Yeah. I, you know, I feel like best case scenario sent to the outer regions with half of the cast of um, Rebels. Um, worst case scenario, death. <laughs> That's how I feel about Cody. Um, yeah, mid case scenario, he's out there somewhere living a life. <laughs> Yeah. Um, let's see. So I guess that's about it for uh, Star Wars news. I have some updates about uh, things Andy Serkis has said about his character, but uh, I'll just get to it when we talk about Andor. So this month, I don't know how long it's going to take us to read it, but we just started reading Bloodline by Claudia Gray, which is about Princess Leia as a senator. Um, so yeah, so here's the back, here's the back blurb. Yeah. When the rebellion defeated the Empire at Endor, Leia Organa believed lasting peace was at hand, a hope that now seems all but doomed. In her new role as senator, Leia must grapple with numerous threats to the fledgling democracy, from underworld kingpins, treacherous politicians, and imperial loyalists to vicious partisan battles within the New Republic itself. Now the Senate desperately seeks a strong political leader to heal the divided galaxy. But as the daughter of Darth Vader, Leia is wary of a single person wielding so much power, including herself. Yet it may be her only option. For at the edges of the galaxy, a mysterious threat is growing. Interesting. I am... At the very beginning, it says she's a new senator, but I felt like it was implying she'd been a senator for like five or ten years. Well... In her new role as senator. I, I guess don't, I don't it's new because she wasn't a senator the last time we saw her, I guess. Yeah, it's could be what. So no. let's, let's, let's dive into this. this let's do it. We read uh, through chapter five this time. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Because there's a little more substance to it than chapter, than um, the Princess and the Scoundrel. It's like a whole different. It's different. It's, it's a different structure. So, yeah. Yeah. So. We have the, you know, what would have been the scroll, you know, of the beginning of a movie. Um, so we're two decades. We're 20 years uh, since the events of Return of the Jedi. Um, Mon Mothma was the first chancellor of the New Republic. Um, but she has since stepped down. And we oh, have I thought two she passions. died. Uh, she, she got probably, sick. Well, she got sick, but it didn't say she died. Well, it, no, she like, it sounded like... Leia I mean, it's had basically said like she didn't tell anyone that she was sick. Like she didn't well, even notice that she was sick. It's implied. It's implied that she died. I'm sure we'll get more information. That's true. We don't know. Um, so, well, anyways, she... we've got two factions that have formed. We have the populists who believe individual planets should retain almost all authority, and the centrists who favor a stronger galactic government and a more powerful military. So, chapter one, we're starting into we're having a ceremony that honors Bail Organa and his um contributions to uh the rebellion and ending the empire and so they start off with this lovely speech um and the first time we're introduced to leia she's like yeah it's all falling apart the new republic is totally falling apart um so we also learn that she's a populist she's a populist senator so she believes uh individual planets should retain almost all authority um so we're going through the ceremony um she's starting to realize that the uh the new republic senate reminds her of the imperial senate she joined the imperial senate at 14 years old so she was in it for a while before um the rebellion so she got a good feel of what the imperial senate was. she started in the apprentice legislative 
um, group and then became senator. Um, so I like this little thing she says here. Then again, the Imperial Senate actually made decisions once in a while. See, history isn't repeating itself. <laughs> <laughs> so then she, um, it is her turn to have her speech because this is, it's her father. Uh, and she points out that the pods, there are pods, but there, which was this? In the I might have missed it, but is this supposed to be on Coruscant? I was no, feeling no, no. it was Hosnian supposed to be somewhere else. No, they're in Hosnian Prime. They're on Hosnian Hosnian Prime. Prime. And, and what is she, the senator of? I have the slightest idea. Yeah, uh, that was the so, other big question. <laughs> I have no idea. She's Hosnian a senator, Prime? but who no knows? one knows from where. She's a senator, but who knows? Uh, so, um. They the moon of Endor. I don't know. Pods, probably. <laughs> they have these pods that are similar to what we saw with the Old Republic, mm -hmm. um, but they're considered overly hierarchical. So we're starting to see, we're getting an idea of how different the New Republic is compared to the Old Republic. So now Leia gives this speech. Um, she talks about how leadership, you know, she thinks about how leadership is so badly needed in the Senate. Mon Mothma, she had her term as chancellor, but she still remained uh, influential. And then she got sick and then boom, that's all we know. Um, mm -hmm. It implies that she died, but we don't know yet. <clears throat> um, and Mon Mothma was like, she was like this bridge. She was like what kept the Republic together. And then she died. I'm assuming she died because it's all starting to fall apart. Um, and we get more into that later on. So she has the speech, she's getting at it, and she's starting to be like, you know what, listen, I'm going to say what I want to say. <laughs> and she thinks that the people are listening to her, but then she sees the X-Wings doing a flyby, and she's like, never mind. <laughs> oh, because they start cheering, and she's like, yeah, wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, making no, a difference. Oh, no, it's the, it's the air yeah, show. Yeah, okay. it's the air show. Um, so then, you know, we have the thing, you know, we have the, the ceremony, and um, she's talking to some new senator, some other senators who are weird, you know. Um, she talks about how, you know, she again, she was 14 years old when she was a junior legislator in the um, Imperial Senate. Mm -hmm. And she talks about how at that time she was like one of the youngest, you know. And or she and she even felt like the youngest. But then now here she feels like one of the older ones because a lot of these senators are like incredibly young. And her generation, she makes a point that her generation is like, we thought we're done. And then they just like disappear. They're like, we are not doing this shit. Um, and she points out that among the crowds in the Senate itself were many who hadn't even been born when the Battle of Endor was fought. Okay, because again, we're 20 years later. Yeah. So you've got senators there who were at least as young as 20, if not younger. Um, so then she... Yeah, I uh, feel like 16 is... Like, I know you. we've said it's... Or maybe we talked about this in... Um, over our message messages, but it's like 21 is the adult age, but I feel like 16 is a Star Wars adult. Yeah, no kidding. You know? Because yeah, because Leia joined at 14. Mon Mothma was a senator at 16. Um Padme was a senator at 18, though a queen at 14. You yeah. know, and it's there's just... a character later who seems like he's in his teens also. And her assistant is like 16. Something like so that. So I feel like so... yeah, we'll get there. So now she's she we're talking about the centrists here a little bit. And one of their rising stars, his name is Ransom Casterfo. This guy's weird. He's 32 years old. 
Sorry, premature laughter. Um, <laughs> yeah. He's 32 years old. Mm -hmm. uh, so he was like maybe 12. Is that right? Yeah, he says he was right? a small boy at one point, but he was talking about... Um, I think he said when the first Death Star was destroyed, he was a small boy. Yeah. So and he was so, like yeah, 12, 12 is a time. Yeah, yeah. 12, all of this happened. So too young to actually be involved in anything. But um, very opinionated, though. Oh, absolutely. Very opinionated. <laughs> uh, Admiral Akbar's still alive, believe it or not. Well, um, he's in the sequels. Oh, you're right. He is. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Uh, so she she says she hears apparently the centrists choose their new figureheads by asking themselves who would look best in their propaganda because the guy's very handsome. Yeah. Um, there's only like really one senator that still refers to Leia as Princess Leia, and that's Lady Carice. Um, Lady Carice is from Arcanus. Uh, and she was actually. Um, oh, I forgot she, about this part. I think she's related. She's a distant somehow. cousin of the Organas of Bale's Yeah, oh, here family. it is. She, um, Lord Mellowin, Lord Mellowin was a distant kinsman to Bale Organa. Lord Mellowin had passed and was a distant kinsman of Bale Organa. Oh, this I thought was really interesting. When she thought of her father, she thought only of Bale Organa. He had been her father in spirit, and surely that was more important than anything else. I was like, that's really in parentheses. Yes, in parentheses. Interesting use of parentheses from Claudia Gray, yeah. actually. It's Claudia Gray loves also. Using, Claudia Gray loves using parentheses, by the way. She would love my blogs she, then. She does. She uses <laughs> She's read my blogs all ever. the time. Yeah, she uses parentheses everywhere. all the time. Um, yeah. So, Lady Carice, I think. Well, she's basically, she tells Leia, Leia that she's but, the, um, that Leia's basically the next in line for this for, position. For this position, yeah, because there's no, because Mellowin had no children, and Mellowin was part of the house of the Elder Houses, was part of the, was a member of the Elder Houses, which is But it doesn't Yorgana's. seem like she knows that Leia's adopted, because she talks about the bloodline, like she uses the word bloodline. Yeah, so Biren is the name of the place. And yeah. the governor governorship of Biren, that's what it was. So she is now governor of Biren. <laughs> and Leia's like, like I'll get my staff right on that. Yeah, she's like, I don't care. <laughs> so sounds um, great. Yeah, I do think office. that's gonna be a bigger thing, but like Right. So now she's yeah. in her office. She's thinking about there she has this moment where she's thinking about um when Ben was born and Han was just like, um, Oh my god, you know. What do I do with this kid? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So she's in her office. She's discussing stuff with her staff. She's got Greer Sonnel, who is her assistant. Um, and then you have Corey. Where is Corsella? 16 years old, and uh she's an office intern. So you have Greer Sonnel, who is her assistant, and then there's Corsella, who is the 16-year-old office intern. All right. Um, so you know, Le Corey is is kind of like dewy-eyed and oh, there's no way to bring the factions together or whatnot. And Leia's like, I was young like that once. And then Leia drops his bomb. I want to quit. What? 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 Leia wants to quit. Yeah. Like, that, okay. And that's the end of chapter. That's the end of chapter one. Chapter one. Yeah. So now we get into chapter two. She's telling um, Han this. Han is on planet Theron, 
or he's in the Theron system, sorry. He is there uh, supervising races. So we learn that um, Han has a shipping company. He is owner of a shipping company and he also supervises races. He's the enforcer of the rules. And that's where Greer came from. We learn later on that that's how uh, Leia met Greer. Her assistant was through Han. Han had coached Greer. Um, so this is interesting here. Uh, um, Leia is telling Han, you know, it's a political quagmire. Um, it's our fault because when Palpatine was, uh, you know, after Palpatine, our goal was nobody should have that much power. Not one person should have that much power. So they don't have an executive. They had a chancellorship, but there was no real authority. Mon Mothma only got things done because of sheer charisma. And then after that, it's just been going downhill from there. Um, you know, she's, and she, she sits there and she thinks, if we had, if Mon Mothma had stepped down earlier, would they have seen the flaws earlier and fixed it? But I, you know, I don't know how long, they don't really say how long a term is for a chancellor. And if she served one or two terms, I, I'm assuming she only served one term just because I feel like it's a very, um, I feel like it's, I don't know if you call a reference or if it's drawing inspiration, but it's very George Washington. Like oh, everyone absolutely. loved George Washington, ran for two terms. And then he was like, I think I'm done. And everyone was like, well, now the country's no, going to go yeah. bad, and it it did. We're we're here living it. Yeah, exactly. Um, You're not wrong. Yeah, so that's kind of the vibe where it's like we were all good because everyone liked Mon Mothma, and now we're like, well, now who's in charge? Slash, well, we should just everyone be like everyone for themselves, and but then there's no military. Yeah, I mean, now I'm just recapping everything you said, but yeah, there yeah. is no, there's really no structure now. I mean. And I have an anecdote to this, but I will get to it here pretty soon. Um, so her and Lahan are talking. Leia's like, you know, I want to quit. And Han's like, you sure? <laughs> you know, and then Leia talks about how, like, as a child, she she never really took time to have fun. And that Brihal was like, you really need to have time, you know, take time to have fun. But Leia's like, nah, fuck it. And so now Leia's like, I want to now have time to have fun. I want to be able to do things for myself. And we know? kind of learn a little more about their early marriage, which does not contradict um, what happened at the end of Princess and the Scoundrel, which is like they spent quite amount of time. time like it didn't apart. specify if it was months or a few years or what, but they spent well together. And then she was like, actually, this isn't the best for our relationship. <laughs> like they just yeah, spent they, too much time together. Yeah, they spend a lot of time apart yeah and so and they just were like oh this is what works for us and yeah exactly that's why they which totally makes sense low-key like especially after reading um princess and the scoundrel it's like how are these people not gonna drive one another crazy well the answer is she's the scoundrel, gonna... they still drifted apart you know they hung out apart during their yeah honeymoon. and they you know it works for them like it really fun. does it's yeah. fine, yeah. So, um, but he brings it up where he's like, "Are you sure you want to do that again?" Yeah, yeah, because she's like, "They're like, let's, you know, let's, let's, like, yeah." You realize after three months on the same ship, we're gonna kill each other. She's like, "But won't they be fun?" And they're like, <laughs> "And then that's probably how Ben came along, you know." And I was yeah, like, exactly. All right, that's nice. So now, okay, so now we're back in the Senate. Um, again, they mention 
broad, flat, and utterly maddening Senate chamber. So the Senate chambers are different from the New Republic. And I think that's talked about. Oh, shoot. I just lost my bookmark. That's okay. Um, it kind of comes up again. <laughs> bookmark. Yeah, later <laughs> on. But so now we have an emissary from Ryloth who is uh, shown up to talk. Ryloth is an independent world. It is not a part of the New Republic. Um, well, and... I was trying really hard not to be a part of the Empire, so I get it. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, mean, exactly. It's like Ryloth it's like is the, the Twi'lek world. Right. Um, um, if you don't know, <laughs> we know, but yeah. But familiar world. It's, it's similar to that of Matters. You know, Matters was like, we don't want to be part of anything. We want to remain our independent. We want to maintain our independence because of what happened with the Empire. Do we really want to be part of something like that? And Ryloth is probably like, yeah, fuck that. We are on our own. So this mm -hmm. emissary from Ryloth, Yendor is his name, comes to talk to the Senate. He said there were so many promises that the New Republic made um you know organized crime would never become powerful again um you know there would be consequences comprehensive patrols of shipping lanes financial regulations but guess what that did not happen that has not <laughs> happened it's been 20 years and none of this has happened and now the cartels are blowing up again and doesn't so she now, say something about how like Everyone talked about it and no one had a plan. Is that there's something? Oh, yeah, no, plan? yeah. All they're yeah. doing is just talking. Eventually, after this, like all they're doing is talking. And Leia is frustrated because she's like, she's realizing we should have known about this, but we didn't. And now Ryloth, a smaller, poorer world, is going to pay for our inaction. And so then once he finishes with his speech, they just start talking and they don't really actually listen. And it's a bunch of stupid shit. You know, we are not lowly constables. Blah. You know, this is beneath <laughs> our dignity. Blah. You know, yeah. well, Ryloth didn't want to be a part of the new Republic. So why should we care? Blah. Oh, yeah. It's so great. It's so stupid. Um, <laughs> um, and Leia is like so frustrated because it's like, this is the best that the Senate could do was just more bickering. All right, so now we go into chapter three and Leia is just like, you know what? I'm gonna fucking do this. She's like, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna go out there. Well, no, she says this at the end of um, chapter two, I'm sorry. She said, I will do this investigation myself and I will leave for Bastatha immediately. And people were like, wait, what? So now yeah, we go she's to chapter like, three. First thing in the morning, I'm leaving. Yeah, exactly. She's like, I'll do yeah. it. You know, so now we go to chapter three and people are like, what? What? You know, and she's just like, finally, I get to be out with the people and not stuck with these idiots in the Senate. You know, and she's like, oh, this is going to be great. So then, um, so then this lady, Carice, who I've I absolutely do not hate this. I do not like this woman. I think she's dumb. She's like, um, uh, so, sh and she's a centrist. She's like, um, I don't think only a populist senator should be doing this because, um, we need to have like a bi unbiased. So we need to have both a centrist and a populist. You know, we need an objective. Like a balance or you something. You know, and I'm just yeah. like, and she's like, although Princess Leia is no mere conspiracy theorist. Some of those on the populist benches are determined to see the worst in any large organization, whether governmental, military, or economic. And Leia's like, hold the fuck up, man. I can I can be uh, objective. objective. People are just like, yeah, no, shut up. Um, so 
she points out that as there were with too many of the younger senators, the government was more about fame and influence than duty. So here comes our favorite centrist uh, senator, Castrofo. He's like, I shall join Leia. And Leia's like, son of a bitch. You know, she's like, great. Now I'm going to be babysitting this guy. Uh, so then um, they, they start preparing and um, they're trying to decide like what's protocol here. Should Castorfo come to Leia to talk about it or should Leia go to Castorfo? Because since she's a senior senator and he's a junior senator, he should come to her. Well, are uh, they even talking about it? Because I felt like she was yeah. just like, I'm going to go see him. And no, no, no. CP 3PO, 3PO was like, 3PO actually, that's like, not a, good. Yeah, yeah like he's so 3PO like, gives a, a whole rundown. The junior senator should call upon the senior senator. No doubt Senator Castorfo will be there first thing in the morning. And Leia's like, yeah, well, we're going to throw him off of his game and we're going to go see him now. We're going to break all the rules. Yeah, so we're going to break all the rules. So here, this is interesting, and this is where my anecdote comes in. The senatorial complex at, on Hosnian Prime was a vast structure mostly housed in a single, long, flat building, one only one story tall. This had been done to avoid any sense of the offices on higher towers being more prestigious than others, which had seemed to make sense at the time, but it meant Leia would need to travel nearly a kilometer and a half to reach Castorfo's office. All right, here's my anecdote. Um... So this reminded me a lot of the Munich Games Massacre in the 70s. Um, oh. So when Germany uh, hosted the Munich Olympic Games, the last time that they had hosted the Games was in Berlin when Hitler was in power. And so the goal of the Germans at this time in the 70s was to make this the happy games. So very little security. They wanted this to be everybody to be happy and to be free because they were trying to be the complete opposite of what happened uh, when Hitler was in power, which completely backfired on them. Because then you had this group come in, take the Israeli uh, players hostage, and they all died because not only was there very little security and it was very easy for them to get into the olympic village and take all these hostages but germany refused help from the u.s and from israel um in fact my father was supposed to go to munich get he was supposed to take a squad in to the olympic village he was briefed on this to go in and take out the terrorists but germany said no we are not doing this. Absolutely not. We do not need your help. We will do it ourselves because these are supposed to be the happy games. Mm -hmm. uh, and in the end, 12 Israeli athletes were killed. Sad day. Yes. Very awful. So my point in all of this is that Germany was trying so hard to get away from the image of what happened when Hitler was in power that it completely backfired on them. We're seeing the same thing here with the New Republic. They were trying so hard to be everything that the empire was not that it completely backfires on them and you see the rise of the First Order. Because mm -hmm. as you can see, they were like, no executive power. Uh, the Chancellor should have no power whatsoever and look what happened. You had one chancellor running on pure charisma the entire time. And that was it. And so now you have a chancellorship with no power, no executive branch whatsoever. Nothing gets done. And so you're seeing the crumbles of this new republic and the rise of the First Order. Because 
they were trying to be the complete opposite of the Empire. And while it made sense for them at the time, they it backfired on them horrendously. So that is my anecdote. Yeah, I feel like a lot of these, because um, someone was actually talking about this. I think it was on the Screen Junkies panel about Andor and how they feel like whoever's writing the series actually has gone in and done the political research for how um, fascism works and stuff like that. And I think that you have to when you're talking about wars, because it's one thing to be like good guys versus bad guys. But when you really get into like the mature content of it, like I feel like a lot of people, like I said about the George Washington thing too, like the real life parallels is what makes it so um grounded i wouldn't say realistic because it it's in space but you know like it's so much grounded. exactly and if you can like show if you can show how it would truly work in real life then it's going to be yeah much more grounded much more believable and you're going to see those own parallels in real life and you're gonna be like oh we're in trouble you know yeah Um, which speaking of fascists she goes to hang out (laughs) or she goes to approach castor and yeah, that's oh my we were. god yeah. okay so she um she kind of we bring in chewy also you know she thinks about chewy chewy is back on kashik he's living a domestic life living you know, his best life yeah she gets to castrofo's office and it is a fucking museum dedicated to the empire <laughs> she calls it a um, shrine a shrine like it's there was like bad a stormtrooper's helmet a black control box from a tie pilot suit flags and banners and uh, oh my and it's just like she's like and he's and like you don't like it and she's yeah. like no he's like these are just historical this also reminds me of today where people are like they're just historical relics yeah well why are we like fucking worshiping them why do we need yeah why do we need statues of confederate generals yeah why I do need we need statues know. of confederate generals in squares why do we have why do people wave the confederate flag like the fuck you know this is like she already didn't like him but then well when he first greets her he's like okay this could work out and then she walks into the little mini museum and she's horrified and then they have a fight (laughs) yes and she kind of like kind of realizes that he's just a kid yeah she's like you know he he wasn't around like he just saw yeah. the glory of the the unity of the empire even if it was forced unity and it did look cool and she's like he was little he doesn't know you know yeah. like it's probably fine and but this is like this is going to be a recurring thing with their relationship where she's like you know he's not so bad and then he does something and then he worse. opens his mouth and it's just like <laughs> oh never mind i was wrong which and is what happens like, here oh. he was like he was like, besides, even if we cannot respect these soldiers' methods, we can at least honor their dream. And she's like, the fuck? What do you buy the dream? And like, he's like, basically, he's like, I wish the Empire was still standing. And she's like, oh my god. He's like, you but know, with a different monarch, obviously. Yeah, with a different person. The only problem you know? was the Emperor was evil, you know? Exactly. He was like, <laughs> he was like, that was the only if we had somebody else who wasn't palpatine it would have been fine um lots of shocked laughter while reading this book oh yeah no this was great like i was i read that when i was waiting for my car at jiffy lube and i was like what 
yeah, yeah. But like, say anything. like the only problem was we had the wrong. Leia's like, they love Bron. <laughs> so she's like, you know what? I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm. You know what? I'm leaving. I'll see you yeah. later. She's like, I will have my protocol droid figure this out. I'm gone. And she just like leaves, and they're both just like they're at an impasse. They're an absolute impasse because like he's just like he's offended. And she's offended, and you're like, you know what? Fuck this. And they're like, this is gonna be great. It's gonna be a perfect mission. It's gonna go great now. But it's like, it's, it's gonna be great. fine. It's fine. <laughs> so, <laughs> I love that. Oh my god. So now we go into chapter four. We meet a new character, Joff Sea Striker. This one was hilarious. Okay, like he gets to Leia's ship. Like he's a pilot for the New Republic. He's, he's here to escort the them in his little X-wing. Yes, like he's so excited. Excited. and then he, he passed the rear. height requirement by a millimeter by the way so millimeter and a he's half. in and a half sorry <laughs> sorry i lost my headphones oh anyway so we meet this lovely gentleman and he meets greer and he's just like oh my god like he's suddenly infatuated with her but like just as quick as he was infatuated with her it like subsides because he's like oh yeah she's way out of my league <laughs> Yeah, he's, he's like, like nope. I'm in love, but also I I know who I am. Yeah, exactly. And she's <laughs> like, and then, I thought this was hilarious because he's like, if you think I'm short, well, I am one and a half millimeters above minimum regulation. And I just thought about like Leia saying to Luke, "Aren't you a little short to be a stormtrooper?" Right. <laughs> and he didn't even like. Yeah, and Luke is just like, whatever. I'm here to rescue Luke. Let's go. But like, you know, it was it was funny. I. I will say now, because this is the point in the book where I was like, this is amazing, is that I really like um, how the characters are built out immediately, even though we haven't seen Castorfo's point of view, but Leia's point of view of him has already really rounded him out. It's hilarious. And Leia, of course, really good. And even Greer from the eyes of, uh, you called him Joff. I was calling him Joff. Joff, I don't reason. even Joff. No, Joff sounds better actually. I like Joff. Well, I don't know. Now it's like Joffrey, and I can't. I don't know. <laughs> and if you guys have opinions, let us know. Um, right. So, I anyway, I feel like she does really good with characterization because we were talking about this earlier. The princess and the scoundrel was specifically for Leia and Han, so yep. we only saw their two POVs, and it was you know, pretty well done, but kind of limiting in a lot of ways. And I feel like this, which is not written in a uh, limited POV. Well, it is, but she gave it more, like, you see it from more characters. Yeah, 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 exactly. Which like it's not gives just it a, two characters. Yeah, so it's a little more filled out. And yeah, exactly. I think it really works. I'm I'm enjoying the characters. I agree. So, yeah. So, uh, so then, Joff, like, realizes that Leia's ship is like decked out <laughs> like there's like he there's like weapons and everything and he's just like uh why am what? I even here right and she's like just Leia just believes in being prepared you know and then and then Joff has his fanboy moment <laughs> where he's like don't don't freak out don't say Han Solo's name because you're totally gonna freak out you uh <clears throat> you know well, Captain Solo <laughs> yeah because he does he ask her how he says well because she talks about like she talks about how her and han had installed the guns a few years ago that's right she's like yeah and then captain solo did it and he's like captain solo oh my gosh captain solo and she's like and it was because of races um and so of course like 
So Joff is just like totally fanboying. Which here. kind of goes with um, you know how in the sequels, Ray is like, You're Han Solo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, she's like, like, I thought Luke Skywalker was a myth. Like you can tell Han's been all over the place. Oh yeah, no, really out in the open, yeah, being a celebrity. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So um Greer uh, Greer is um piloting the mirror bright is the name of um is it mirror bright? Yeah, mirror bright. Yes. Is I like it. Leia's I ship. like the name. Yeah. So Greer is it. piloting, um, and they all get on board, and you know, there's still that tension between uh, Castorvo and um, Leia. And I thought this was funny because um, 3PO was like, "You're right on time." Castorvo stopped short, apparently taken aback to see everyone else in standard space jockey attire. Although Princess Leia smiled at Castorvo, it was the kind of smile that hit harder than a punch. Core bit her lower lip, and Greer's sigh clearly meant something like, "Oh, brother, here we go." Joff could almost feel sorry for the guy if Castorvo weren't so obviously in love with himself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this book is great. I'm so sorry. All right, I so yeah, I like it. I'm loving this. So now they're on their trip. Uh, they started their trip. Um, Leia sends another communique, communique, communique to Luke and Ben. All right. So Ben is out training with Luke right now. Um, however, Luke's last message to her had been a while ago and badly corrupted by radiation interference. So we don't know if Ben has made his turn yet or not i don't think so no no no, not yet because it's because the um well he's i don't know ten, this is 10 years before uh the force awakens but we don't know i mean that's 10 years so we don't yeah, know we don't know where he's real at with timeline thing. in there yeah. somewhere so all we know is that ben is with luke um, and he's 18 or 19 years old yeah 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 something like that okay um so now we're kind of having like a little um, introspection about Han uh, because of Greer. So one of the things that Leia had noticed about Saw about Han was like his willingness to take on the role of mentor. Um, and he had done that with Luke in the early days. And so um, she, that's what she liked about him. One of the first things she liked about him was that, yeah, he was all talk and whatever, but he was, he really, he really liked to teach people yeah, things. Exactly. I and kind Luke of feel like it goes student. with his, how he feels like he knows everything. I think it's kind of that same part of his character. Although then she goes on to say that it's like, it's what he wanted to do with Ben, but it's kind of implied that he couldn't because Ben had to go off for Jedi training. Yeah, yeah. And or they didn't really see eye to eye, which happens with fathers and sons. Yes. So, so then uh, we're going into chapter five. They are um, arriving on Bas Bastitha. Um, Claudia Gray sits here and talks about Bastitha. This was kind of interesting. Um, so Leia is talking to Castrofo and she's like, I'm doing the talking. And of course, I was like, ah, they probably hear from both of us. <laughs> and he's like, she's like, listen, dude, <laughs> you need to like, you need to follow my lead, you know? And he's like, fine. Well, I want to record the event. 
Leia's about to like lose her shit on him in 3 was like, oh, don't worry, I'm doing it already. So, you Well, know. doesn't he say, in the event that you're wrong, I'm going to record it or something like that? He says, if at any point we run into anything in the galaxy you don't already know, please alert me. I shall wish to record the event for posterity. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. Oh, oh dear. This guy. All right, so... What a they, jerk. Um, they meet with the... Um, the uh, magistrates who are Nikto's who are the ones who are causing problems um, and they're so excited to see Princess Leia they're like oh the famous Princess Leia and they're like oh yeah and Castro <laughs> um, but you know they're guy. like yeah that guy so um, they you know Leia's like I want to play a game and she, they're like oh I want to play Sabak, uh, and Leia, you learn that Leia has the upper hand because she was taught by Han Solo and Lando Calrissian, who are very good Sabacc players. Mm -hmm. um, that is how he got the Millennium Falcon, as we all exactly. remember. So yeah. then, um, of course, Castor was like, are you kidding me? Sabacc? And Leia's like, there's no such thing as decorum down here, you know? Um... And then she's like, stop staring at the upper gallery. And Castro's like, I just the, the guests are just dressed to catch your attention. And she's like, uh, those aren't guests. They're not guests. They're, <laughs> they're escorts. They're and the like, escorts. like, oh my god. <laughs> In four genders, at yeah. least. Yes. Just like, way to go, dude. He way is so embarrassed. Go. And she's just like, and I love this chapter because it's all just Leia showing up everybody. Oh yeah. And what's even funnier was like these um these ambassadors are like absolutely praising Leia and just using terms that would like flatter any kind of populace, but like we're incredibly insulting to like a centrist like Castrofo. And he's just like, I don't know how to respond to all this. <laughs> what do I what do I do? And like and they're like it's not like they're trying to um choose a party or anything they they just don't want people to interfere with it so you know small government kind of thing right uh so then um leia is like kicking ass at sabak and um that's because han and leia had always had taught or not sorry han and lando had taught her probabilities like the likelihood of each card coming up the trick was to play those odds and never ever deviate in the heat of emotion so she's over here like kicking ass and just winning like crazy and so she's like buying drinks for everybody and there's a group that she's really curious about um they're just like they're just kind of keeping to themselves um and so leia's like who are they and they're like oh they're from daxum four and so leia's like hmm daxum four and it says here, Luke said those strong, so like Luke, Leia had strong instincts, and Luke said those strong instincts of hers served as proof of the force, evidence that it was working through her all the time. Maybe he was right, but Leia believed just as much in her experience and her common sense. All of them were telling the same thing. Trouble. And that's the end of chapter five. But Dude, she kicked everyone's butt at Sabak. Oh, yeah, she was killing it at Sabak. <laughs> she was gaining everybody's trust, too. All right, it's just uh, yeah, so far I am thoroughly enjoying this book, so I can't wait to continue on. Yeah, same. 
I think we won't be able to read more than five a week just because there's a lot more. Yeah, there's a lot more substance to them. How many chapters are there in total? Um, give me one second here. 31 chapters, 394 pages. Okay, so it'll take us about six weeks to read it, unless there happens to be like a short chapter. And The Princess and the Scoundrel was 61 chapters, but 344 pages. Yeah, a lot more because every time the pov changed it was a chapter, chapter changed yeah. yeah yeah um which on the one hand kind of tricks you into thinking you're reading less so you end up reading more a gazillion but, chapters you're like oh yeah wow, i've read three chapters in the span of like 10 minutes <laughs> yeah and then um but this is more like oh i'll read one more chapter and it's actually the feeling of reading like one more chapter so mm -hmm. It makes sense. Um, all right. So that brings us into Andor. Okay. I need to. Oh, sorry. My work Slack just came up and I was like, oh, I did not X out of that. Okay. <laughs> um, Andor. So I rewatched Rogue One, which Marianne watched it for the, re the theatrical re-release right before. I've seen it in theaters twice. I aired. saw it when it first came out. Well, I mean, me like right went, before, and then, um, yeah, and then the I went series. saw it in IMAX theaters. Yes, I went and saw it in IMAX theaters um, when it was re-released. Yeah, Wait. and I said I was going to rewatch it before Andor premiered, and I did not. So this shame, week, shame. I rewatched it, but I'm glad I rewatched it in the middle, and I might have to rewatch it at the end. But I usually have a pretty good memory. I hadn't seen it in like several years i think i probably saw it six years ago um so it's been a while but um i rewatched it and there were some things i noticed the first is that every week i talk about how much i like andor's title card i'm like this is so nice so unique so different it's worked for the series and the title card is an eclipse that turns into the re the rebellion seal kind of kind of yeah. um yeah like the beginnings of it i'm assuming by the end of season two it'll be the actual rebellion seal but in rogue one there is a cinematic moment where the death star is hovering above jetta and it eclipses the sun of the planet and like i think it might do it again before it takes out uh scarif but i don't think so so they basically are drawing from that with the title card, which is really subtle, but also foreshadowing, you know, like eventually he's going to go down taking out the Death Star. Um, another thing, there's only a few things, but another thing is the, I think it's the last line he has. I could be wrong, but he comes up, rescues Jin from the, from Ben Mendelsohn, Krennic, that's his name. Um, he shoots him after we all we didn't we knew he wasn't dead but he fell when they were yes. making the climb he ends up climbing back up even though it's in the novelization she believes he's dead she believes that Cassie oh, okay is in the novelization yep oh well this is bittersweet <laughs> it's like he's yeah, alive yeah. and then they die and then they die. later <laughs> you're like oh okay <laughs> oh sad day um and he says to her because she sends the plans they basically know they're done for 
Um, and he asks her, do you think anyone is listening? And this past week, as we're going to get into, he says, or the title of the episode of this week is Nobody is Listening. Yes. And I was like, oh my gosh, all of the parallels. But Tony Gilroy was one of the screenwriters of Rogue One. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's writing, I think, most of the series. So it makes sense. Um, and the other one is kind of a more general thought, which is it's wild to see how he goes from what he is in Andor to what he is in Rogue One. Rogue One? Because oh, it yeah, is no. very Same. different. It is so different. Yeah, and even though he doesn't age, he does. He he does. <laughs> like he he doesn't age badly for sure. Um, but I'm just saying he does look a lot younger in Rogue One. But it has been like ten years since they filmed it, so I get it. Um, but still, it makes me love it even more. So those are basically all my thoughts on Rogue One. Um, so let's get into it. Episode nine of Andor. Which, first of all, we were expecting it to be the climax of this arc, dude. What the fuck was it? And it was not. Oh well, I think God. this is what I think because I was thinking that the last arc has to be pretty big. So probably four episodes would be my assumption. Um, but now I'm like, well, that means I kind of think they're going to finish out this arc and then there's only going to be two more episodes and it'll just be like a two part thing like i think that the end of this arc which is going to air this wednesday slash tomorrow if you're listening to this on tuesday um i think that's going to end on kind of a cliffhanger and then we'll have like a two-part finale situation does that make sense i could be wrong but that's my assumption since this was wrong (laughs) since my assumption for the structure of this week was was wrong that being said there's still a lot to talk about um deidre miro zero idea how i feel about her anymore hold oh my oh my goodness we start out this girl because at first we were like yeah girl power in the empire no (laughs) we decided she is cold are we supporting women's wrongs we don't know deidre miro is interrogating bix she had some analogy about fish and she's basically like the empire thinks everything they catch is a fish But some of it is not the fish. And her job is basically to figure out what is a fish. So she was like, we interrogated Pac. Um, He was very resistant. And he told us a lot. But it's clear he's not the one that knows things. And she was like, it's revealed he got this radio that um, Bix was using from some woman at a conference a few years before and she's the one that uses the radio. Like, she sent the radio back, and Bix ends up being the only one that ever uses it. And Deidre says that this woman was less worried about politics and more interested in the unique position of Ferrix, so that it was basically all planned. Uh, and that Ferrix is to, or Ferrix is in a position that it can acquire stolen Imperial equipment and technology kind of unseen. Um, It wasn't really clear if that was just because it's like a low-key planet or if because it's where it's physically located. Like, But basically, Ferrix is like a where everyone comes to find things. Maybe because it's kind of a scrapyard. Um, But she talks about that. 
Uh, Bix was the only one that used radio. Pack only met the contact once before Bix became her sole, like, contact. Yes. Um, Bix is like, I know you're the ISB. I know you're the worst of the worst. And she's mm. like, I don't know the buyer, which she told um, Andor last week. So I think we all assumed, or two weeks ago now, I think we all assumed that um, that's true, right? Like, she really doesn't know who he is. Yeah, she's met him, but she does not She's know. met him several times, um, which is important because she's the only person that can describe him. Yes. That isn't a complete idiot like Cyril. And yeah. <laughs> Pac says there's been at we'll least six him later. meetings. Um, <laughs> and she doesn't know anything about him. Uh, she said he comes, we do meet in person, and he leaves. Deidre tries to squeeze her more, but she's just like, you're not going to believe anything I say. So why should I why even should I talk? Yeah. say it? Yeah. Deidre's like, you're right. And she leaves. Um, next scene, Andor is in his prison facility. He's basically really gotten into the swing of things. Um, and this is when things start to go bad for us emotionally because Olaf is starting to show signs that he's not good. And yes. Olaf is the sweet little old man at his table um, in his factory. And he's like, let's switch because I'm faster than the person next to you and I can do both of our jobs. Which you're just like, want to cry, like, oh, Andor. Anyway, and so they do it. They all switch. Andy Circus's character, who, man, I had his name pulled up, and it's gone now. Kino. Kino. Kino, thank you. Kino notices, and he's like, what's going on here? And they're like, just rebalancing. And he's like, okay, I guess. Which I read in an interview that he did um after the first episode he was in which now feels like it was two weeks ago but it was just the last episode before this one he first appeared in um and he confirmed that the reason why they didn't announce he was in the series was because he didn't want people to like i shouldn't say prematurely because it wouldn't be right at all like he didn't want people to be like oh my gosh snoke is in the series uh-huh yes and he said he was hesitant to come back partially because of that he, it didn't say whether or not he was unhappy with what happened with Snoke. Um, the writer of the article said that Snoke had been positioned to be the big bad, but he was prematurely killed off. But it didn't say that that was his opinion. That's just what the article said. Mm -hmm. um, but he said that he loved Rogue One. And when they approached him, he was like, that's the kind of Star Wars I want to be in. <laughs> and so he mm. went for it. And I was like, wow. And he has... Uh, he has a whole backstory for his character, which is like he used to fight for worker and union rights and stuff. And then after being put in his place, he was like, okay, now my job is just to not be a nuisance and get to out. make sure yep. everyone, yeah, get out. he's going to keep everyone safe by making sure they all stay in line. And that's like his whole spiel. And he actually has an interesting character arc in this episode. So. Moving on, next scene, uh, we have a suspicious-looking doctor interrogate <sighs> brings in an interrogation device, which, back to Rogue One real quick, the interrogation techniques in Star Wars are so weird and terrible. Like, you know, there was the random needle thing from A New Hope, right? It was a probe droid with a needle, and you're just like, oh, no, truth serum. 
And in Rogue One, it was the grossest looking alien ever. Four bullets. <laughs> oh, it was awful. Yeah. yeah <laughs> this is yeah. so disgusting. And in this, it was just psychologically Oh, this was terrible. So I was, um, there's this uh, content creator I follow on TikTok. She's Puerto Rican. And she is like the Padme TikToker. Like she loves Padme and does everything. You know, like her thing says, what would Padme do? Anyways, um, (laughs) she put on Twitter that Bix's torture scene like really got to her because... um, Puerto Rican women were used to test birth control and it was not good. Like they were like given like horrible amounts of it and stuff like that. And I guess, and I think this is so intense. Yeah. And I think the woman who plays Bix is Puerto Rican. So that's what makes it even more like intense for intense. And so I guess like the problem was, and I think this is kind of stupid too, but people were kind of memifying Bix's, um, torture scene and it was like no please don't do that this is like this yeah. is not something you can she make fun is of. from uh san juan so yeah. Uh-huh. yeah 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 so like it was it was um you know your people are like memifying her torture scene and it's like why what the what is wrong with you people but this one um she talks about how it reminded her of the Puerto Rican women who were used to test, who were used to test um, birth control. And I'm just like, that's wild. I feel like somebody has gone in and done a ton of research because there's also been a lot of talk about the prison system. Cause there was a big mm-hmm. thing about prison reform uh, back a little after like, um, you know, um, the BLM movements and stuff. And they haven't really talked about it since then, but this is like starting another conversation about it. And, you know, people are like, wow, it's like, I haven't seen many memes, but I think it's just because there's not a lot of room for memes. So here is, I found a tweet. She, she posted. um, So this pill had a bright future, but it's past one intertwined with eugenics and colonialism was fraught. Its clinical trials took place not in the mainland United States, but in Puerto Rico, where poor women were given a strong formulation of the drug without being told they were taking part in a trial or about any of the risks they faced. Three women died during the secretive test phase, but their deaths were never investigative. Oh, my gosh. Um, But she said in her tweet, one of the reasons why Bix is seen as upsetting for me to watch is because Adria is of Puerto Rican descent. So seeing Bix used to test the empire's newest torture method immediately made me think of how Puerto Rican women were used as guinea pigs for the first birth control pill. And I'm just like, wow. Man. That's awful. And, like, fortunately on Twitter, I haven't seen any of the memefied stuff. I've just Mm -hmm. seen people saying, stop memifying it. So I'm like, okay, good. I'm on the right side. (laughs) Yeah. I haven't seen any memes except for the occasional one where Andor's like, I'm coming back. I promise. And then leaves, you know, stuff like that. Um, But this I haven't seen, but it was to me, I was like, I, I don't think Star Wars has gone this dark in a while because basically how the, how it works is that there was an alien race that they massacred and in the, and this, race um they don't really say it but it's implied that something about their language has a psychological effect 
yes. on humans. The way and they were so, screaming and stuff. Yes. Yeah. So they scream in peril. And basically they, the more they scream, the more humans will kind of, it seems like they absorb their emotional distress mm-hmm. to where they physically cannot stand it. So then they give Bix the worst kind, which is children. the children. Mm-hmm. Because why would they not be like just psychopaths? Because uh, if you needed to know, the Empire is bad. Yes. <laughs> and yeah, so that's terrible. Um, the scene ends with her screaming into the camera. This is like this episode and this scene specifically. It because I had been it was seeing a lot, lot of I was I think seeing it a, needed a trigger warning, low key. No kidding. And I was yeah. seeing a lot of people who were like saying on social media, I have sympathy for the Empire because the rebellion is not any different. And so now my sympathizing with the Empire. And I'm like if y'all are still sympathizing with the Empire after this episode, y'all need some fucking help. I feel I like mean. people were in, were more sympathizing with, um, or if it was coming from Andor, it was with uh, Cyril and Deidre, just because they're kind of being positioned as protagonists. Uh, well, I don't know about Deidre after this episode. She went pretty dark. And also Cyril's weird now. He was always yeah. weird, but it's <laughs> new, new levels. Um, and I feel like this episode was more like them reminding you, like, no, they are actually bad people. Well, yeah, that, and it, it's like, like, are you all, oh, I just, mm, mm. Yeah, yeah. No, it's so awful. Yeah. So in the next scene, Andor leaves the table to, quote unquote, take his run. That's what he calls it. But he goes to the, the uh, I'm going to call it the, lavo- the laboratory, but they called it something in the Mandalorian. Probably re- a refresher. <laughs> no, he had, uh, in like episode one of the Mandalorian, the Horatio Sands alien called it something um, specific. But he goes and he's like, I'm going to do this. And he's opening a panel, starts kind of harping on a tube that I'm assuming holds some wires. Uh, barely gets anything done before the announcer says, new man on the floor. And you know what that means. So he has to go back. Doesn't put the panel back very well, by the way. <laughs> it's just like there. And leaves. Um, Andor and the guy next to him are discussing the schematics while they watch the new man come down. And the one guy is like, see, I told you the lift is not wired. The lift doesn't have, like, if you're on the lift, you could take someone out because the floor is not wired into the discipline system. And he says, the thing is that nothing that moves is wired, including the rails. So then... In the next scene, Bix's interrogation has ended, which is a very short scene, but I guess it's just there to remind you that they interrogated her. And if you weren't feeling enough emotional distress, here's another few frames of her looking bad. Yeah. Um, after this, Olaf has clear memory issues where they're like, Olaf, we just told you what's going on. And he's like, what? What's going on? And they were like, we told you two minutes ago what's going on. Like, he's not doing good. Yeah. Um, Deidre, next scene, gives 
permission for them to hang Salmon Pack. So he ends up getting hung as an example for the rest of Ferrix. She wants to keep Bix as a contained witness because she's the only one that can identify Axis. Yes. Uh, Mon Mothma, back to our favorite character, um, is giving a speech to the Senate about Imperial overreach, which it's kind of interesting because she... Um, she had that conversation in the last episode or the one before with her friend where she was like, or he was like, I'm upset because you're so like pro empire and, but she's clearly not, I feel, yeah. but maybe she just feels like this is now the line she can toggle. Um, but senators are shouting long of the empire and some are like, she speaks the truth and, some pods are turning off their lights but not leaving, which I guess shows that they're not in support of her. Yeah, um, maybe like not paying attention or something. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I feel like maybe the lights are like, um, we're listening and the, the others, like, you, I don't know. Something, the lights turn off, but they're not leaving their pods when that happens. Right. Um, so she leaves and the driver's like, by the way, your cousin arrived. And she's like, she's at the embassy? And he's like, uh, yeah, they said you would want to know. And she's like, okay. Um, which I knew it was going to be Vel. I was like, oh, I, it's probably Vel then. <laughs> and I definitely thought Vel was going to be Luthen's daughter, but. Yeah, we were wrong. <laughs> yeah, we were wrong. Wrong, wrong person on Coruscant <laughs> that she's oh, connected well. to. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> something's wrong when they're lined up in the bridges. They're being Andor. So we're back on, um, going to butcher the planet name, Nakia 5. They're in their bridges. Something's going on. It's taking too long to let everyone go into their cells and or their factories because they just go to and from them. And um, what did you say Andy Serkis' character's name is? Nor Kino. Kino. Kino is telling everyone to calm down. Uh, the sign language ones are going faster and faster. And they're like, something's going on on level two, but we don't actually know what's happening. Uh, and he says, it takes forever for one word to get from there to up here. And um, which kind of leads me to believe that each signal might be one letter. Yeah. You know? uh, but I don't, I'm not a sign language expert, guys, just so you know, disclaimer. Uh, the power goes out and they're all like, what happened? And an alarm goes off and they're all like, what happened? And Andy Circus is like, everyone back in line. So. Anyway, next scene. Vel is the cousin, which I wasn't shocked, but I like surprise. <laughs> Mon asks um, immediately, like, was the thing you? And Vel's like, what thing? <laughs> I don't know what thing you're talking about. She's like, what does he have you doing? And she's like, who are you talking about? Um, and she's like, things are happening. There's risk. And she says, what um Sinta told her in the last episode, which is the rebellion comes first and we take what's left. Yep. Uh Lita's super happy. She's so excited that Belle is there. Vel brought her a gown. She goes to try it on. She's really excited. The happiest I've seen Mon Mothma's daughter this entire series. I agree. Yes, the cool older lesbian cousin, I guess. Um Cassian has clearly become comfy in the prison to an extent. Sorry, had to turn off an Amber Alert. Um, <laughs> in Texas, they go off all the time. 
And this one was for San Antonio. So I don't know what they thought I was going to do about it, but okay. Um, he starts to probe Kino. And he, I guess in this now, okay, I cannot talk now. I feel like last week he was not randomly in the cell across from him, but now he's in the cell across from him. And he's like, hey, tell me, um, you've never thought about escaping. And he's like, we're not going to talk about it. And he's like, how many guards are on each floor? And he's like, we're not going to talk about it. And he's like, you literally never thought about it. And he's just like, I'm not discussing this with you. And or is convinced that no one is listening he's like they do not care about us enough mm -hmm. to listen right. they and he's just yelling it through the corridor like nobody's actually listening and melshi's sitting above his pot which okay now that i've seen rogue one i know who melshi is yeah also. <laughs> yeah you know now that we're back to that anyway um and he's just like they think we're worthless they are not listening we are just their prisoners forever and yeah next scene Deidre reports back to the ISB she's like yeah Bix gave me or she Colleen gave her a list of every piece of equipment stolen she already had a match operated by a rebel cell associated with Maya Pei. she tries to show the connection between Andor and Aldani and they're like yeah she's like yeah he showed up home with money and they were like yeah people get money all sorts of places and the assistant is like but wait he came back clean shaven which bix thought was weird and everyone on aldani was a clean shaven person and they're like i guess which i was still like <laughs> i don't know <laughs> like the way it was presented obviously we know it's true right yes. but then i was like i don't know that i would have been convinced with the clean shaven thing um but okay like sure and they were like, you didn't interrogate his mother. And she's like, I don't think she would survive it, basically. Mm -hmm. And she's like, but he has to come home for her eventually. And this is why I think that those last two episodes are going to be a like a finale situation. Mm, yeah. Because he does have to come home for her eventually. I think that's what right. they're kind of setting up. Um, the next scene is that the rumor back in the prison is that they fried. I, I typed friend, but you know how it is. They fried everybody on uh, two, yes. on level two, room two, whichever it is. Everyone's scared because they're like, if they fried them, they would just fry us all. Yes. Um, Olaf, not doing good. Not doing good. He doesn't understand what's happening. He keeps repeating things. Um, Andy Serkis clearly is spooked, but he's like, we don't know anything. You know, he's like basically giving a pep talk to himself like you can tell he's terrified yeah. he's like we don't know anything it's okay everything's fine <laughs> but it's not fine and everyone knows no. so cyril and his mom because we have to have scenes with cyril and his mom now are eating in their jetsons booth as i'm calling it um the mom says, you've been a little different. And they start arguing and she's like, I do so much for you. And you never do anything for me. You went all the way over there and neglected me for years. And he, she's so manipulative. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, my goodness. She's like, you don't really love your mother. And he's like, you know what? I've been promoted. 
And they keep mentioning Uncle Harlow. Are we ever going to see I want to meet him? Uncle Harlow. Or yeah, is no he kidding. just going to be a gimmick for the rest of the series? Like, who is Uncle Harlow? I need to know. Yes. Next scene. Do you think Harlow is, like, randomly Krennic? That would be weird. Does Krennic have a first name? Uh, Orson. Oh, I guess it's not Harlow then. Um, but I feel like it's... I, I mean, they're not into fan service so i feel like it's probably not going to be anyone we actually know but then like who is harlow i need right. to know this is what needs memeified i'm yes. once again asking who harlow is exactly okay next scene olaf still very doing very bad the whole scene is basically how he's not doing well they have they were called to attention and he can't stand and like the two of them are like half that attention and half holding him up and they eventually have to just leave him laying on the table. It's very bad. You you already know he's not going to make it through the episode. Oh, no, and the like, next scene, I called it. I was like, he's choking out. Like that. I was I like, that guy going to die. I was like, he's choking out right now. I if I knew more about strokes, I probably would have known. <laughs> but I don't. I don't know that much about it. Um, Vel is being interrogated by Mon Mothma's husband. He says she's worthless at her age. And I was yeah! like, wow. Feeling the burn as the single late 20s. And like, over of here. course, Maude knows she's, you know, she's gay. Or, yeah, she's know, not into men. So Maude's like, mm-hmm. well, huh. <laughs> um, well, and she's what? Like, she might be 30, between 30 and 35. And Mon got married at 16. And that's normal. Yeah. Um, yeah, where they're yeah, from exactly. so I'm sure it's much worse than some of us still being single out here but you know like and of course she doesn't like men so this is where my theory comes in and it's not really my theory but I'm on board with it now which is um, are you familiar with the Scarlet Pimpernel I think so the war between the war in A Tale of Two Cities is that the War of the Roses or is that the Hundred Years War I think that's the War of Oh, you had to ask. Between France and England. Well, I assume you know. <laughs> but either way, so there's a, it's an old movie. I think it's based on a book. Um, and I saw it years ago. And I remember I really liked it, which was, I don't, I don't tend to like old movies, but this one's from like the 30s. Like it's an old movie. This is set and, before and during the French, Tell of Two Cities is set during before, before and during the French Revolution. That's right. So maybe it's the it's it's one of these like england and france um when they're butting heads like it's one of those stories they're always butting heads. (laughs) the girl well the it's about a husband and wife and the husband is just a total like jerk and he's basically the antagonist of the book and the girl is I'm going to get some of this wrong because I haven't seen it in so long. But as soon as they said the theory, they were like, you know, the Scarlet Pimpernel thing. I was like, oh, my gosh, because the whole thing is that the girl is the girl is the rebel in the situation. Okay. And she's constantly sneaking around her husband because he's so outspoken about her cause and she's sneaking things by him and whatever. And she has a secret ally and she doesn't always know who it is or she doesn't know who it is really. And she finds out one day they're going to execute the ally. And the ally's um, code name is the Scarlet Pippernell. And um, she realizes at the last minute, spoilers for the Scarlet Pimpernel, (laughs) 
um, that it's her husband. That Aww. he's been the contact the whole time and that the whole terrible front, it was just a front. So someone's, um, I think it was Lon from Fandom on the Screen Junkie panel. He was like, he thinks that it's going to be a twist where the husband could be a Scarlet Pimpernel situation. Where it's not that he's going to be the secret contact because we all know it's Luthen. But it's going to be more that like he's secretly putting up this front to keep them safe. And he is like super pro-rebellion. Uh -huh. And I was like, that would be amazing. I would prefer that. But also, he didn't need to be so mean to Val. So I don't know about that. Like, what would the point? I feel like they just want us to hate him. Yes. And so I and don't it know could that be, and that it could misleading. be a front. They want us to hate him. And then they're going to like turn it around and we're all going to be yeah. like, are it you could fucking be a bait and switch situation. Um, but just throwing that out there, Scarlet Pimpernel is super good. I should read the book or watch the movie. One of those. It's been a long time. But they were like, you know, the Scarlet Pimpernel situation. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that would be genius. And also a war story. So like, mm -hmm. and they're like aristocrat, aristocrats. Disney has ruined me. The aristocrats, like, they're rich people and she's trying to do good with their money and he's just being a jerk. But it turns out he's, like, doing everything at the front. And I just remember because there's, like, a scene where she stares at his picture for the longest time and there's a scarlet seal on it. And that's when she realizes it's him. And Aww. But the part is silent. Like, there's no score in that part. Mm -hmm. And she's like, Pussy, because his name is Percy, <laughs> and she's like, Pussy, it goes running out. And I think about that scene sometimes, <laughs> like Aww. it was very well done. So, I'm wondering if it's going to be that. I wonder if it's going to be a bait and switch, and then they kill him off. That would be awful, yeah. But, um, I don't know, like, I want to like him, but I can't. So, writers, hats off to you, well done in all sorts yes. of ways. Um, we'll see. Back to Cyril on Coruscant. Oh, he's God. being a stalker because of course creep. he is because he's a full creep and we already know that Ugh. he sees her walking by he's like and he stands right in front of her and he's doesn't say he's in love with her but he is it's very it's like the worst version of kylo and ray <laughs> like it's like how kylo's like you see how it really is we could be complete, but he's more like, you are the only one that ever saw my potential. Thank uh, you for my promotion. She's yeah. like, I didn't promote you. <laughs> I had nothing to do with that. And he's like, I'm so in debt to you for digging my life out of a hole. And she's like, no, dude, like I just needed information. And he's just super like obsessive. And she's like, how long have you been waiting out here? He's like, I've come every day for days or like I've come no! several times. <laughs> Oh my god. Doesn't she ask him, have you been stalking me? I feel like that's something, something she like asked him. And then she like rightfully threatens him and yeah, she's he like grabs I'm her. going to pound your ass into the ground if you touch me. Oh. And it's it's crazy because on the one hand you're like, yeah, Deidre. And on the other hand, you're like, Deidre just interrogated Bix. <laughs> like, what is happening with my emotions? Uh, so and she's just like, um, I can't do this, but she's clearly shaken when she gets back inside. Yeah, and her assistant is like, "Hey, there's a random rebel pilot. Um, 
uh, are we going out there? I already sent the doctor after him because her assistant's trying too hard. Um, yeah. <laughs> equally obsessed with her, but <laughs> anyway. Um, assistant trying too hard, but it's a whole thing. And she's like, yes, I'll go. No, I won't go. I won't go. There's not time. We'll interrogate remotely. And they never show the pilot, which I guess could just be for time. Yeah. Um, but I was waiting for it to be like um, uh, Bodhi or something. I was like, mm. huh. But then I was like, that doesn't make sense, it's actually. Too Bodhi early, was a, yeah. yeah, much too early. Anyway, um, next scene, I guess just because they kept calling him the pilot, and that's what they called Bodhi. Like, even this was before I watched Rogue One for this the most recent time, but I was still like, is it that one pilot? <laughs> but there are more than one pilot, Anne. Okay. Next scene, Mon Mothma and Tay, Tay is uh, the friend, the banker, are talking about her bank account. And he's like, if you do this, you're going to get audited and you're going to get caught. Yep. And he's like, but I have a plan. We're going to pull in Davo Skolden. Skolden? Skolden? Um, and Mon is like, absolutely not. He is a thug. And he's like, is he? <laughs> She's like, yes, but it's kind of implied like she doesn't really have options. So, yeah. The next scene, they have the rebel pilot in custody. Again, we don't meet them. They say he's part of Anto Krieger's group. Um, which one of the when... rebels that was named by Saw. Yeah, that's I what believe. I was going to say. He's one of the sects that Saw brought up where he was like, there's us, there's them. And isn't he the one that Luthen wanted him to go meet up with? And he refused? Something like that. Yeah. Um, but the pilot was alone. There were no witnesses. He flashed an Imperial badge to get through, but they picked him up. And they're pretty sure that Krieger doesn't know he's gone yet. There's a raid at a power station. They're going to act before he realizes he's gone. Deidre suggests a brilliant but actually super scary plan where it's like, we're going to make his death look like an accident. Yeah. And the major is like, let's do it because she's his favorite yep. child. Yep. And yeah, next scene, Andor and the team are working. Olaf basically down. He's down. Yep. Um, I, think so. yep. I think actually the scene I described earlier is this scene where he really, he can't even hold himself up. Um, yep. He, so. they're going back across the bridge. He, basically collapses um andy circus yells at melshi to get going but andor stays because he's the main character and <laughs> that's what sometimes it's like he stayed you know there's no real andor there's no real reason andor got to stay except that it's his show <laughs> anyway the med tech says he's you know they call the med tech who's also a prisoner um wearing the prison clothes but in a different color He's had a massive stroke and he was like, he had 40 shifts left. And Andy Circus can't get past it where he's like, he's, he's not going anywhere. He's like, no, we just need him on his feet for 40 more shifts. And he's like, no, it's uh, not going to happen. And then he says something really passive, like, you know, he hits a better end than the rest of us. And he picks up on it and he's like, what are you talking about? And Andor is like, what happened on level two? That's really, I feel like this episode should have been called level two. <laughs> Loki was all about level two. Yeah. Um, the med tech tells them 
a man from level four was released on schedule. And instead of being released, they just brought him into level two. Mm -hmm. And when, and he told everybody, and I don't know, I guess it's, I guess because of the PORD thing, the poured mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. legislation, that that's why they did it. Because before, it sounded like this had never happened before. Or if it had happened, the people were just quiet about it. Right. Um, but he basically was like, I'm not supposed to be here. I was supposed to be released. Everyone on two panicked. And to shut them up, they fried them all. Yes. And this is when Indy Circus realizes You're that not they're not getting out. They don't care about how hard you work. They don't care about how good you are. This is just their life now. So as they're walking away, Cassian asks him again, how many guards are on each level? And he says, never more than 12. So next week, they better freaking break out. Prison break. Prison break. We need that, please. I wanted it this week, but actually I'm pleased with um, Andy Serkis's character. So I allow it. I allow an extra week for character development. This, oh, this episode was just a lot. It was, and it was really serious. I feel like it's kind of nice because I thought Bloodline was going to be more serious than The Princess and the Scoundrel, but it's actually got a lot of humor in it, um, or at least humor elements. And I feel like it's going to balance out Andor a little bit because Andor is not going to be a lighthearted. Nope. Um, not a great last three weeks we're going to have here with Andor. Oh, no, it but... actually, uh, Michelle did not like that episode at all. That one really got to her. Yeah, I was like, I feel like um, it just puts me in a mood, which is one of the reasons I don't like to watch dramas is they, they just put me in a mood. And I feel like it's not, you know, like I'm one of those people that prefers escapism. Um, but also it's like I get very invested, yep. you know, and it's like I want to like Deidre, but I also am very upset with Deidre. And you know, I want to hate Cyril, but he's funny because he's terrible. <laughs> and, yeah. like, I want to like Mon Mothma's husband, like, but I hate him. Cyril is about to commit war crimes for Dedra. That's where he's where he's going, where his character is going. He's I about still to commit some feel serious like war crimes. I rescind what I said at the beginning, which was I thought he was going to be a rebel by the end. Um, uh, but I think he's just going to be annoying. Like, I kind of feel like he's just going to turn into a nobody by the end. Or they're going to yeah. give him a stupid position to keep him happy. Or he'll become strangely maniacal. You know what? At this point, anything could happen. Oh, I know. <laughs> we don't know he's, what's going on. He's he's about to commit some serious war crimes for her. Like, it's, I just, yeah. No, I wonder man. if he's going to attack her. This man's going to go down. Really wild dark path i remember mm -hmm. um actually before i watched this episode apparently dedris uh the actress oh i forgot her name it's the one who plays dedris she had said in an interview i hope you still like me <laughs> uh her name is denise goff there we go let me click on her name see if it gives me a it does not <laughs> like is this gonna give me a well she's irish does that tell you anything about how to pronounce it uh kind of but unknown well anyway um 
right? Probably like, not I hope you still like me. Think it is. Yeah. But very good writing. Very good. Um, very good writing. Very good acting all around. Fantastic. Fantastic. I'm very, I'm very pleased and distressed. So, yes, well done. Same. Same, 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 well same, same. Well, anyway, guys, um, next week we're going to talk about chapters six through ten of Bloodline and Andor episode ten, which hopefully is more climactic than this, even though I'm not super mad about it. Um, maybe I'll figure out more about the Scarlet Pimpernel. <laughs> but there you go. hold your breath. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> All right. Anyway, I'm Annie. And I'm Marianne. And join us next time to figure out whether or not we're forcing it. Bye. Bye.